Good morning, family. Whether you're joining us in this online service today on Facebook, YouTube, or on Impact Radio, uh, it's so great to be with you this morning, and I, I trust that the service is going to be a blessing to you, and it'll even challenge you. As you've heard by now that we've got many people coming on-site into our services also within the restricted numbers, and that's been fantastic. Uh, you will see that some of the online services will reflect what's going on in the on-site services, but some of it is still pre-recorded. The reason we do that is it helps us to maintain the good quality of service that we can give you, but more importantly, it makes sure that everybody, whether they're tuning in through online, on-site, and even the radio, is all included in the same message. And in that way, we are all learning together as a community and moving forward as one community. So I'm so glad you're with us today, and it's going to be a great service. Won't you think of everybody right now across our nation and even across the world that are in their homes worshiping the Lord in whatever space they may be, and even in churches that are able to gather together. And let's be one family of faith that worships the Lord. So won't you get ready right now? Let's get going in our worship. Over to the worship team. God. 
as we take this time and acknowledge who he is and what he's doing in our yes. midst. And what better words to sing than to say, Lord, you are near me. You are around me. And from that place, Lord, this morning, we rest in who you are. We lean back into your presence. And we rest in the grace that you have for us. Yes, we rest in the deep-seated, the assurance, the knowledge that he is for me, that he is for us as a people. We can rest in him this morning.
we just want to come before you and worship you today and thank you for your amazing grace and your goodness to us but we also want to bear up our nation to you at this time father where there seems to be so much tension and difficulties that people are going through and I want to particularly pray today father that you would bring peace in our nation you are the Prince of Peace and we look to you for peace and we look that our people will find a place of safety in you Lord we pray for the farmers on the farm that they will know that they are safe in you and we pray for their protection father we pray for the women and children in their homes and in the streets lord that they would know that you are with them and that they will be safe in you lord we want to take authority over a spirit of violence and and senseless uh, killings father in our nation and we pray father that you would come and and teach us as a people to respect life and to respect and love and honor each other and I thank you for that today, that we can bring all of our needs to you because you are, I am. You are with us right now, in this moment, in our nation, in this time. You are God and we declare that boldly in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Bless our service and our time together in the word also, we pray. Amen. Well, it's our privilege to be with you today again, and as we always do on a Sunday, we don't make a big deal of it, but it's time for you to give your offering and to pay your tithe, and thank you to everybody for their faithfulness and for keeping on stepping out in faith. We know that people are, are, are feeling the pinch, 
But it's been amazing to see how people are still giving and, and being faithful in that. So continue because remember the Lord is your provider. So right now, follow the prompts as it's on the screen. There's the option of you to use SnapScan to give an offering or you can use the bank account for tithes and offering. And also thank you to everyone that is keeping up with their faith promise pledge. Uh, it's so amazing to see your faithfulness and we really appreciate it so very, very much. Well, I, I'm certainly enjoying this series about I Am. And I know we only started last week, but it really just in my own life made a difference for me in this week. Just to consistently, whatever I find myself in, in any challenging situation, particularly when I find myself in, in difficulties to go, the Lord is I Am. He is not, has been, or will be, but He is. Whatever we are facing right now, whatever we're going through, He is I Am. And we meet Him in that moment and can see His Lordship established in that moment. He is I Am. So today we're starting with the seven I Am statements that Jesus has made. And for the next seven weeks, we're going to look at each and every one of them. And I want to start with the statement that Jesus said, made that says, I Am the bread of life. And again, what we want to do with those statements is, is talk about what it means for us and how we respond to that? How do we live within the truth and the reality of the fact that Jesus is the full manifestation of God being I am? And he used these seven statements to sort of, you know, as, a, as like a complete uh, picture of the whole, all of what I am includes. So we're going to start in John 6 from verse 25 today and we're going to work through that section where Jesus speaks about I am the bread of life. And um, just to give you just context for this, this portion that we're going to read is just after Jesus fed the 5,000, as it's recorded in John, and also after Jesus walked on the water and the disciples were on the storm, and Jesus walked uh, on the water and met them on the other side of the lake, actually, uh, the, the rest of the people he met on the other side of the lake, as this uh, account tells us, you, but you'll, you'll, you'll pick it up. But we want to start at verse 25. So remember, he's the, the important event that happened before that in terms of the crowd that he's ministering to is he just fed them with the, this miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 by taking you know, five loaves and two fishes and multiplying that and feeding the people. So in verse 25 we read, When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? When did you get here? Because remember, Jesus was with them on the other side of the lake, feeding the 5,000. Then the, he put the disciples in a boat and he said to them, they must go to the other side so long. He stayed behind praying. And then in the early hours of the morning, he walked on the water to them and then with them went to the other side of the lake. And then the crowd sees him on the other side of the lake, but they're noticing there's only one boat. So how did Jesus get here? Um, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me. Not because you saw the signs I performed, but, you, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but work for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him God the Father has placed the seal of His approval. In this section and in what happens, what John records for us with the miracles of Jesus is Jesus establishing his credentials in a sense. Because Jesus' claim is that he is the Messiah, the one the Jews have been waiting for. He is the Son of God. He is their answer to life. He is everything they need. But they're finding it very hard to believe that. They're finding it very hard to put their faith in him. They consistently want to be convinced. So when Jesus does these miracles, he's revealing himself to them. He's showing to them. These are 
aren't things he's doing just to prove a point. These are, these are, this is who he is. And he's making himself known to them. And what he's requiring of them is to believe and to have a faith response that he is the Messiah so that they can put their faith in him because that's what they need in life. They need to believe that he is the Messiah. Just like you and I. We need lots of things in life. But like Jesus said when he was tempted in the desert, man shall not live by bread alone. You see, we are so caught up in our physical needs and what we need. And bread, that's what bread represents. It's our base physical needs. That is so real for us as people. We, we're so caught up in the, the daily needs that we have, our material and physical needs, and even our emotional needs, and even sometimes our spiritual needs, that we don't recognize that everything we need is in Jesus. But we, we're so focused on the little everything that we need. But Jesus is trying to say to the crowd, everything you need is in me. You need to come to me. Give up on chasing after other things and come to me. And this is the conversation he's having with them. And we will see right now as we continue reading through the scripture, the conversation Jesus is having with the crowd as it's recorded and captured for us by John. But before we get there, I want to say something. Often people... Um, diminish the importance and the value of the Bible. And they say, ah, oh, what can we learn from the Bible? Because the Bible is set in a context that is thousands of years removed from us. And, and it's written in the context of an ancient people. You know, they didn't know what we know today. They didn't have the technological advances we have today. And, and what, therefore, can we learn from the Bible? What can we learn from what those people were going through? It's so different than what we are going through. But, you know, I want to tell you, this is the amazing thing of the Scripture. Because the Scripture goes right to the heart of the issues and to the, the kernel of life, it's still relevant today, as, as it was, if not more than what it was 2,000 years or before that, when the scripture was recorded for us. We are, in our basic needs and understanding of life, the same as what those people were that Jesus is talking to here about two, more than 2,000 years ago. We're the same. I, I want to put before you today, I'm going to show you how we have the same questions that they have, and we provide the same answers to those questions that they did. The Bible speaks to us today because the, we are still asking the same questions, and we still come up with the same answers. Um, uh, Wiesbeth said that the, most reason, the reason most people ignore or totally dismiss the Bible is because the cast of characters and the script seem radically different from life today. But because the Bible people and modern people are so very much alike, it's worthy for us to listen to the Bible and the Scripture. Us modern people and those ancient people, we're so alike. Um, the more we get to know about them, the more we see ourselves reflected and our basic problems reflected in them. Um, don't tell me that we are not the same. As what it is said, for instance, of the Romans of the day. There was a Roman satirist, Juvenal was his name. And he, he wrote this about the Romans of that time, of the time of the first century. He said, Romans longed early, eagerly for just two things, bread and circuses. Don't tell me we are not the same. That basically people today long for those two things. Bread, the needs of life, the basic things of life to be met. And circuses for some things that make them happy, that gives them joy and entertainment. I challenge you to go and, and, and look on any digital news platform right now or some news channel or even newspapers or magazines and tell me that so many of the stories and headlines is not about that. It's not about where's bread coming from, how are we going to have our basic needs met. I mean, so much of the discourse in our nation about land issues, and it's about bread. 
You can put that all in that basket. And how much of our time and attention do we spend on things of, of entertainment that, that helps us to feel good and gives us joy and, and happiness? And, and you know, So it, we're the same as those people were, as it's recorded by Juvenal. And it's in that context that Jesus has a discourse with this crowd, and he does with us today. So let's continue to read on. But I want to say there's two things that we are the same as the people of the day that I want to highlight today. It's, it's the same in the needs we have and the same in the answers we provide. And I mentioned that just a little earlier. So let's talk about the need, our need, as it's reflected by this crowd. What is the need, one of the basic needs people have? In John 6, 27, Jesus says, Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life. Jesus hits right there on one of the key issues of our lives, that we work for the temporary. We so much give of our lives and our energy and our time and our efforts just to have what we need now and in this moment. We are so consumed by by where's my next meal going to come from? And where's my next piece of bread going to come from? And, and please remember when I use that word bread, an analogy is my food, my shelter, my, my, my sense of well-being, my sense of having everything that I need, my material and emotional needs. Where's the next thing going to come from? And we spend all our time and energy running after those things. We are just like those people. We, we just want somebody to secure for us. That, we, that, that we'll have food for tomorrow, that we'll have bread for tomorrow, that we'll have the, no well-being for tomorrow. If somebody can guarantee us that, then we'll give them our hearts. We so spend our time and energy on buying bread that does not last. And Jesus says to the crowd, why do you do that? Why do you put all your effort in to buy something that is of very temporal nature? And that will ultimately fail you. That will run out. And, and this is the, the struggle that Jesus has with them because the crowd is so focused on that. They're not hearing what he's saying to them and what he's trying to communicate to them, even through the feeding of the 5,000. You see, for them, that event was fantastic because Jesus took care of their basic needs. He met them at that moment, at the point. They were all hungry. They were out there in, you know, in the, on the, on the, uh, by the Sea of Galilee on, the, on the, a little hill, and they were starving, this crowd. They, nobody brought food, and, and they were looking to Jesus. And, and what an amazing thing that Jesus, right in that moment, says, I'm going to feed them. And that's the heart of God. He wants to meet our basic needs. But the problem is when we reduce him to that and we make him about the basic needs. And so this crowd was like, so, wow, that's why they did all the trouble of coming around the lake again. Some on boats probably and some walked and met Jesus on the other side because they wanted to stay with him because he's going to feed them. And in their minds, there was this thinking back of manna that came in the desert. Because remember, these were Jewish people. They knew the stories of Moses. And they were thinking, wow, perhaps this is the Messiah. Because if Moses could feed us in the desert 38 years and provide manna for us, if Jesus does the same, then surely he's worthy of our attention. Because he's meeting our basic need. That's all they were seeing. And Jesus is saying thing, but food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. He's saying to them, I, I, this bread that I've given you, that's small fry, man. That's little stuff. That fills your stomach for a day. Tomorrow you need it again. I want to give you something that will that'll change your life for eternity, that will give you a life that never runs out. And you can only get that from me. See, remember, Jesus is establishing his credentials. He's actually separating himself. He's setting himself apart, saying, 
It's only me that can do this for you. Nowhere else. No other God, no other philosophy, no other person, no other thing, no other you know, entity like a government. Nobody can do for you what I need to do for you. But you need to stop being so focused on these basic needs and, and see me and, and receive me so that in me I can also meet your basic needs. But it's not about your basic needs only. And um, this is where him and the crowd are misunderstanding each other. For on him, God the, on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. He's using language to tell the Jews, I am the Messiah. You've got to believe in me. But the crowd is struggling. Um, and and we, we are just like them, aren't we? It's hard for us to, to let go of what is so real to us, what is so in our face, what is so... You know, our appetite, what is so, we're so desperate for, we feel so dependent on. It's so hard for us to turn our minds from that and to say, okay, Lord Jesus, I'm going to believe in you. I'm, I'm going to put my faith in you. And uh, exactly what they were struggling with, we, we struggle with today. And that's why Jesus was speaking about, I am, I am. And he's saying, I am the Son of God. You need to come to me like God revealed to Moses. Uh, you see, but we, we, the I am statement of God, we would prefer if that I am statement was actually, I am whatever you need me to be. But that's not what I am means. I am means I am. I am God. You've got to let go of everything else and come to me. Let go of what you think you need and come to me. But isn't it true that we so often want God to do things for us, but that we want him to give us everything, but we want to let go of as little as possible? We want to hold on to what we have and get what God wants to give. But God says that's not the deal. Jesus is saying to the crowd, if you want this that I've got for you, you've got to let go of everything else because I am. I am. In, in verse 28, Jesus you know, hears them crying out their need and now he challenges their need. They say, this is our need. Jesus says, no, you don't know what your need is. Let me tell you what your need is. And then he tells them about the bread of life. Then they give an answer back to Jesus, and they say in verse 28, Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? So in other words, okay, Jesus, if, if you're telling us what we need is this bread of life, now what must we do to qualify for this bread of life? What, how would do we behave and change and do? What are the works we must do so that we can get this bread that you've got? And again, we... <laughs> Let's just think about it for a moment. Aren't we exactly the same today? You see, we today still believe that if you want to be successful in life, if you want to have your needs met, you have to work. It's, what, it's based on what you do. It's based on how hard you work that you will get life and, and what you need in life. We believe that it's, it's how good a person you are, you know, how good a family person you are, how, how good an employee you are, how good a uh, whatever you know, it may be, how, how good a parent. We, we list all these things in our lives that we aspire to that are good things. They're not bad things. They're good things. But we put the emphasis on it and we say, okay, if I'm a good and then we run through our list. Then I deserve to have my needs met. And that's how we, we work life. And that's exactly where Jesus starts challenging us. He says, that may work in how you get the bread of this earth. But that's not how you get the bread of life. The bread of life doesn't work the same way. You don't work for the bread of life. But this is what the people are saying. Tell us what we must do. What are the works we must do to qualify for this bread of life? And then Jesus answers in verse 29. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, 
to believe in the one he has sent. Jesus is saying, while you may have to work, like, I mean, these guys were fishermen, for instance, and they had to toil. You know how the fishermen toiled in the day to get their fish, to be able to sell, to have some to live on and to sell, you know, and to, to keep their businesses going. Jesus says, while, you, while may, that may be how you toil for the, for the bread of this world, let me tell you, you don't, that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. To get the bread of life is not what you do. It's believing. And believing is not a work. Believing is a yieldedness. It's a surrender. And let me tell you, it's the most difficult thing for us to do. It's the most difficult thing for us to just believe and to think that that's the answer to life. Why is it so difficult for us? You see, I think part of it has to do with this. When we work for something, we feel we earned it and therefore we own it. It's ours. I have a right to it. I, I, I can feel good about myself. I, there's a sense of dignity. And that's true when it comes to the things of this world. But it doesn't work that way in receiving salvation. You cannot work for salvation. Why? Because salvation is never something that you can lay any claim to. That is yours because you did something, therefore you earned it, therefore you own it. You see, that's what we, we, we as people, we'll feel secure when we own we want to own things because then it's mine, then I can feel secure with it. And therefore, we do the same with salvation. I want to own my salvation by saying, I've worked for it. I've done something, and therefore, it's my salvation. And also, by the way, you know, I played a part in it. I'm saved because, you know, at least I, I, I'm good at this or I did this well. Then I feel important. And this is the very thing Jesus challenges with that crowd as he does with us. He says to them, the work of God is to believe. And, and what does that mean? That means literally coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, I do not deserve the bread of life. I have no claim to the bread of life. I have no right to the bread of life. I, I cannot demand the bread of life. I'm casting myself on your grace and your mercy. And I'm asking that you give me the bread of life. You see, you cannot earn the bread of life. You only receive the bread of life. Because not anything to do with how good you are, only to do with how good God is. In, in fact, the way we earn the bread of life in this state of the world and condition that we find ourselves, which is in sin, is because of how evil we are, we can't get the bread of life. But that's, we don't like that thought. We don't like to think that I'm evil. We like to think that, yeah, I make mistakes, but I, I'm a good person. And then we think we can bring that to God, and because we're good enough, God will say, okay, here's the bread of life. But you know, the true humility is to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I have failed. I'm a sinner. The, the good that I have seen in my life is, like in Paul's words, is rubbish. It's worthless. It gives me nothing. That earns what the bread of life. So I come to you empty, recognizing I've got nothing to offer you. And then Jesus says, if you then believe in him, that he is the Messiah, he is the Son of God, he is the bread of life, then what the Holy Spirit does is it helps you and makes it possible for you to receive the bread of life that he gives freely. Let me tell you, it sounds nice to say we get something freely, but it's the hardest thing for us. As, as much as we don't like the law, for instance, you know, the law of the Old Testament. Can I tell you, it's easier to obey the law than it is to receive the freedom, free salvation. Because 
we don't own it. We don't, we don't have any claim to it. We have, it humbles us. And you've experienced it. When, when somebody shows you kindness and gives you something that you utterly know you didn't deserve, perhaps you acted despicably towards somebody, and then despite that, they're still so kind to you. What does that do for you? It humbles you. It breaks you, doesn't it? That's exactly what God does with us. His love breaks us. Our hardness of heart. That's why the scripture says it is kindness that leads us to repentance. Our hardness, our sinfulness is broken because we're faced with this extreme kindness. But we find it hard today, as these people did. You may not be a religious person. You may not be religious like these Jews were that had a religious law. You've got your own law. I promise you, you've got your own laws in your life. You've got things that you measure yourself and others by. And you think if you do well in these areas, then, then you deserve good in life. I want to tell you today, you deserve nothing in terms of the bread of life. And you can work your whole life for things that are temporary. It's only in Jesus that we will find the bread of life. But we're so arrogant. We so struggle with this. We, we find it so hard to bend our knee. And so in John 30, 6 verse 30 to 31... They come back at Jesus when Jesus says, just believe. They asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. Remember I mentioned that. He gave them the bread of heaven to eat. So this arrogance rises up in them and says, well, it's fine you say that, but you've got to prove that you deserve for us to believe in you. It's about us. Can you hear that in their language? They're saying, it's about me, Lord. It's about my needs. It's about what I want in life. And if you're going to expect me to believe in you, better, you better come up with the goods. In a sense, they're looking for the best deal they can find, the best bargain they can get. They're saying, Jesus, come on, show us what you've got. And, and if you convince us that, that you really are the one, then, then, then we'll believe in you. But they're saying that in a way as to say, we want to give the least of what we can to get the most of what you've got. And don't tell me we're not the same today. We, we're exactly the same. Even Christian people, I want to tell you, we can have that same commercial understanding with God. This crowd followed Jesus. And Jesus said right there in the beginning, you didn't come to me because I have the bread of life. You come because I fed your stomachs. And also because I have impressed you. I did something that made you go, wow, I, I entertained you in a sense. We can hear in the language of these people, they're basically looking at Jesus as the winning lotto number. And they're saying, if, if you tell us, then we'll, we'll believe you because you'll make life better for us. You, you'll provide everything we need. You'll, you'll give us things that will excite us and that will keep us you know, thinking life is great because amazing miracles. Wow! Isn't it great to see the miracle that Jesus did? And we got something to talk about. And yes, I was there. No, I was also there. I was closer. And no, no, no. I, I actually received that little piece of bread. We, we titillated by the miracle. And wow, and I got fed. It's fantastic. It's so exciting. And I want to tell you that there's even Christian people that approach Jesus in that same way. He, he's got to do the miracle so that, that my faith keeps going. If he doesn't do the miracle, then, you know, then it doesn't st stimulate my faith. Now, I know faith, miracles are there to stimulate faith, but they're there to point to Jesus, remember John says, to have faith in Jesus. And we need to go further than that. So Jesus challenges this crowd, this crowd that want to have the most while they want to give up nothing. They want to keep control of everything, and they just want Jesus to add to their lives. And so they say to Jesus, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. 
So they're challenging Jesus. They say, well, are you better than Moses? Moses organized food every day delivered. Moses, you know, long before there was Mr. Delivery or Uber Eats or anything like that, Moses had it all sorted out. Every day, the people got their food delivered to them. Wow, what a God, man. What an amazing God that does that, that loves his people so much that he gives them food every day. Can you do the same, Jesus? They're challenging him. Jesus again comes back and he says in verse 32, Verily, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He says, listen, by the way, you're missing the whole point. Moses didn't give them the bread. It was God who gave them the bread. The same God that is sending me as the bread of life. So this is not about Moses or about me. This is about who God is sending. And Mo God sent Moses, but what Moses did was temporary of nature. But what I want to do is for eternal life. Virsbe, in his commentary, he, 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 he uh, equates the, and he reveals the difference for us between manna and the bread that Jesus was talking about. And, and you'll see it on your screen. I just want to mention them quickly. Manna was temporal and was only for physical needs. The bread of life is eternal and for spiritual needs also. Manna only sustained physical life. Bread of life imparts eternal life. Manna was for Israel only. The bread of life is for all nations. Manna lasted for 30 years only. The bread of life is for eternity. The manna came at no cost to God, whereas the bread of life came at great cost to God. Manna just delayed physical death. The bread of life conquers death. Manna was a gift. Bread of life is the giver of all gifts. So do you want to go for the manna and just have your basic needs met? And, and, and put God in that bracket? Or are you looking for the bread of life? Now, how do you get the bread of life? And this is, again, they come back at Jesus. And their response to Jesus is, Sir, they said in verse 34, Always give us this bread. Come on, Jesus, give us this bread. But if you read the language, you're recognizing they're not submitting to Jesus. They're not worshiping Jesus. They're still saying, Jesus, you have value because you give us what we need. And we are the same today. We are the same. You know, we want Jesus. We want Jesus, the good teacher, the, the moral man, the, the good person that we can all respect and that we can hold up as an example of the best human that there was. We want, we want that Jesus. But this Jesus that comes with this messy business of having been born of a virgin, Having, having done all these supernatural miracles. This Jesus that, that, that died on a cross because he loved us and to forgive our sins. And then rose on the third day and then ascended to sit in heaven today. That Jesus we don't like so much. You see, because the Jesus that is the good teacher is, is more like us. If I can believe in that Jesus, then, then, then it means, you know, he's more like me and I'm closer to him. And therefore, I can be who I am, but just strive to be a better person. I can basically remain in control of my own life and I can basically own myself and just learn from Jesus how to be a better version of me. But a Jesus that died on a cross, born of a virgin, not born in sin, that whole story demands so much more. Then our God is very big. He's very far from us. He's very different from us. By far from us, I mean he's, he's very other to us. He's not a better version of us. He's completely different than us. 
That God we don't like. That God we can't get a handle on. That God we can't own. That God we can't make fit into our paradigms. So we don't like that God. And there's a word for it. There's the word deism. And a lot today, commentators writing about the Christianity of our day, they often call it therapeutic deism. We preach a gospel that is all about meeting the needs of people, being therapeutic and helping people feel better and dignified within themselves. And, and with a Jesus where there's no hell, there's only the love of God. There's no punishment because we want a God that is there to serve us. But that's when we miss the whole point. In verse 35, as Jesus brings this conversation, that section of that conversation to a, to a point, he says, Jesus declared. He doesn't answer anymore. Remember, every time it says he answered, now he declares. He stands in authority and he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You can stay in the dust and, and scratch around here for the temporary things of this world, or you can come to me. I am the bread of life. But to come to me, he carries on, and then later on he, he talks with him some more. But for time, I, I skipped all of that. In John 6, verse 51, he says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. He basically says to them, you've got to eat me. Now we know he wasn't meaning physically. I mean, we even use bread today as a, as a, as a symbol to say that, you know, and, and eating as a symbol for understanding. We say, you know, I've got to chew on that. Or that gave me much food, food for thought. That's a similar thing that Jesus is doing when he says to them, you've got to eat me. He says, you've got to consume me because what you consume of me will be give you life. You have to consume me. You cannot have me and everything else. You've got to put everything else aside and you've got, to, you've got to devour me. You've got to make me your bread. You've got to give up on the bread, the temporary bread, and eat me as the eternal bread. That's what Jesus said. And that is the challenging thing. And that's why most of that crowd, most of that crowd, after Jesus fed them, after the miracles that he did, the healings, they turned on, on him. They turned away from him. Why? Because Jesus refused to bow to their desires and needs, but wanted to elevate them to a higher place. Where, yes, he does meet their needs, but he does it from a place of he is God. He is God. He is the bread. You see, this is our challenge, and I want to come to an end. Is we so often come to God, and we ask Him, but we already know the answer we want. We ask God, and we say, Lord, I need, or I want, or Lord, will you please? And we know already what it is that God wants us to do. And if He doesn't do what we want Him to do, then we feel like He's failing us. I want to tell you, <laughs> this is the challenge. Not only must you bring your needs to God, but you must bring to God the fact that you need and say, Lord, do I even know what I need? Do I even know what my real need is? Because that's the problem Jesus had with this crowd. They thought they knew what they needed. And he was saying to them, you don't even know what you need. Let me tell you what you need. And let me tell you how you will get what you need. So often when I come to the Lord, I have to say, Lord, I, I'm so desperate for, you know, food or money to pay for my child's education. I'm so desperate, Lord, for this problem that I have or, or I've got a challenge with this. I, I need you, Lord. And it's right. I must bring that need to the Lord. 
But there comes a point in me bringing that need to the Lord where I then say, Lord, this is what I think I need, but will you tell me? Will you give me the answer? Not the answer I already have for myself, but the answer you want to give me. And then sometimes that is where the radical change happens. That where it becomes completely different. We're living in a world right now where our physical needs are being so challenged. And, and thankfully, we can come to our Father and say, Lord, we need my, my, my salary's being cut or I've lost my job, Lord. I don't know where my food's going to come from. And that's real, man. And, and I have all the compassion in the world for that, really. I mean, and, and that you need to cry out to God. But don't reduce God to how he meets your need. Lift yourself up to his place of greatness and say, Lord, everything I need is fulfilled in you. Show me my real needs. And then I will pray and ask according to what you have shown me. And then God comes and he meets every need we have. He has got the cattle on a thousand hill. He's got everything you could ever ask or want. He's, he's got things that we don't even know we want he's got to give to us. And he's not stingy. He's not threatened. He loves making people great. He loves blessing his people. But not at the cost of keeping them small. At the cost of letting them live in his largeness. So as I come to an end today, I want to pray with you. I want to pray this with you. And I ask you right now to just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. I want to pray that we would eat the bread of life. Salvation. Real salvation. Being born again. Not being upgraded. We, it's not, we as humans don't need an upgrade. We don't, don't need a bug fix. We need to be made completely new. And only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can make you new. Self-help programs, other stuff that you can read, other even religions can talk to you and teach you how to be better you. Only Jesus can make you new. Will you eat the bread of life with me today? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus. In this moment, we want to recognize that you are the bread of life. There's no life found outside of you. All the other things, Lord, that we can run after, seek, work for, is temporary and will not sustain us and will not satisfy us. Only you. And so I pray today, Father, I pray for every one of us. I pray that by your Spirit you would help us, that our eyes would be open, that our ears would understand what you are saying to us, that we will recognize how much we run after other things and how much we work for the things that do not satisfy and do not last. And that we would turn away from that and come to you and come and sit at your feet, be emptied before you, Lord, to receive from you life and life in abundance. And I thank you for that. I pray for every person right now that has never surrendered their life to you, that this will be a moment of surrender where they will say, Lord Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. Make me new. Change me so that I can live life in you. I want to eat the bread of life. And I thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you. If today is a day where this message is spoken to you and you recognize that you need to give your life to Jesus. Perhaps you have in the past done that, but you've, you've fallen away from him. You've, you've begun to run after and work for the things that do not satisfy. Or it may be the first time that you want to respond to a message like this. There's people right now that are ready to meet with you. And uh, you can 
Connect them through our, on the, at the end of the service now, will come our straps on the screen that will tell you where those people are, that you digitally connect with them. And they want to pray with you and help you. And it's very important that you do that. So right now, when, you, when that link comes up, go and let somebody be with you and pray with you. We love you so much. And it's such an honor to be part of this amazing community. We'll see you Tuesday on the devotions. I'll see you. Or otherwise next week in the services also. And it's so great that some people are being able to come online, on site now. But it's a one large community, online, on site, in all our different platforms. It's so great to be together. May the Lord bless you. Have a fantastic week.